Welcome to episode 8 of Soccer Spotlight on WQSU-FM on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm two hosts here again, Anthony Heller, Ryan Campbell alongside me. Ryan, it's another another Thursday morning here in, in Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania. We've got some, some interesting stuff going on around the soccer world. World Cup squads are starting to get announced. A few big-name teams have already announced them. Belgium, Brazil, England... The France squad, the Germany squad is out. Uh, we're still waiting on. Yeah, we're still waiting on on a few big names. Uh, the Netherlands are are not out. Uh, they are only in a preliminary thirty nine. And also, the next is just that a few players are able to come back from injuries just in time for the World Cup squads. Few crucial players will be missing. But we'll talk about it in the yeah, show. A few team. big, big players missing. And we'll talk about uh, only two teams have announced their numbers uh, for the World Cup. Those are Brazil and Japan. Uh, but yeah, firstly, before we get into the World Cup, we're going to talk about um, all conference selections for for teams here at at SU. And uh, we're also going to talk about Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League knockout draws because those happened in the past week. So start off, all conference. The men didn't have anyone, um, but the women had seven selections. Seven is really good. Yeah, and 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 those seven, uh, in addition to two special awards, Marley Clendenin, Landmark Conference Defensive Player of the Year. She's the first Riverhawk to win it twice in a row. Wow, I saw her. I saw the post that she won it. And it was just well deserved, in my opinion. Absolutely no. I mean, there's no player that's more deserving. And and the reality is, Maya Kime and Chloe Michaels had very good seasons, and I think maybe had a had a case for all conference that went that went begging. I I I personally I would have picked I think one of them. I'm not sure. It's hard to split those two, mm-hmm. uh, but I think you could have made a case for one or both to have have been picked uh, all conference. Obviously, Clendenin is unquestionably. Deserving of it. Deserving. Uh, and was probably the best player in the conference this season, period. I wouldn't be surprised if she, she was in the in the conversation for All-American, and rightly so. Uh, and, you know, when you score six goals at a center back, you're doing something right. Something getting right forward. Because because this was a Susquehanna team that was very good in the air. That's striker's numbers right there. And as a center back in a season? Well, she was joint top scorer. Um... And and joining her on on the all conference all landmark first team uh, for Susquehanna Emily Wartz, Jillian Mack, so the three captains uh, all multiple time selections to the all conference team. It's now four all conference first team selections for Marley Clendenin. Wow! So all four all four of her years of eligibility, all conference in each one. Just wow. Great talent, great recruiting to get them. Yeah, those those three, and and we are we are pretty sure uh, we don't have a hundred percent confirmation, but we are pretty sure that Emily Wartz is coming back. She does have an extra year of eligibility because the twenty twenty season, of course, was canceled. So she does have that extra year. So that's that's a huge that's a huge boost for them. Uh, if she does come back, we know Marley Sprankle is coming back. 
Um, and then and second team, four selections to second team. Uh, at first year among them. Paisley Tornator, they are also all uh, the Landmarks Rookie of the Year, uh, the first-year goalkeeper, um, and joining her in the all-Landmarks second team from the Riverhawks, Michaela Florio in attack, Sierra Getz in midfield, and Ellie Bathile in defense. You have to say deserving. Well, of course, everyone on the list was deserving. Everyone that got nominated, even the people that didn't even get on the team, but they had, they were up consideration they they probably all deserved it or, or deserved whatever whatever at least or at worst they had yeah I mean, specifically I, I I think personally I think Sierra gets should have been first team um I honestly I think she had just as good if not better of a season uh than Jillian Mack but you know it what happened happened second team so many of the players in that first team were seniors too. I think she's there's a situation here for Sierra Getz where she is a two-time first team because she she's a sophomore. She has two extra years. So I, I think it's entirely possible that she does end up making first team the next two years, and I think it's actually quite likely. Mm-hmm. And, and she gives... Getz gave... Gave us a, a bit of a different option in midfield because Mac is much more of an attacking-minded player. Gets is more of a holding midfielder, and the balance between them is a lot, what allowed them, even with a two-player midfield, to win so many midfield battles this season. Mm-hmm. Now, talk about the uh, the Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League. The draws got some pretty tasty ties in there. Sometimes. I f- Sometimes I wonder just how do we get these good draws in a round of 16? We can't put it later in the competition because just wow. I see yeah, I mean, Real Madrid and Liverpool, the final the final matchup from last season is rematched in the last 16. Real Ma- There's one thing I want to say about that. Do you think, now seeing Real Madrid, do you wish that maybe that the Napoli game is more important the first game that you guys played since you saw Real Madrid come out of the draw? Uh, well, yeah, that that performance against Napoli was not good. Like I thought you could have maybe you could have maybe played it off and said oh, it was just Liverpool, but now I look at now I look at who they drew and in my opinion, I just think that the Napoli game is more important cuz if if Liverpool goes out to Real Madrid, we look and go back to that moment say if Liverpool were able to draw or at least hold it down to one goal or two goals, maybe they could possibly be first in the group and Napoli draws Real Madrid. Oh yeah, butterfly effect though. We'll put that put that in because different <laughs> different teams were being able to because Liverpool could have only drawn four teams. Yeah. Um if and uh because the three English teams won their group, uh, aside from Liverpool. So it, it does leave, leave Liverpool in a very unfortunate situation. I think it's possible that they beat Real Madrid, but I don't think it's likely. I think I could see both teams going through and both teams going a deep run. The one thing that it, it has it has one goal t- one goal difference written all over it. That's that's the reality. I the think. one thing that's going to play a big difference is, which is why I can't say. If you ask me right now, make a prediction. I can't truly say. I don't know who's going to win any of these ties. You, I would, I could think, but. Is a World Cup though? I don't. Players could get injured during the World Cup. Yeah, 
That is, that is true. Some players are going to be left at home. I don't know how they're going to come back after the World Cup if they weren't played. Some players are going to be tired from the World Cup. We've got another recent final matchup, 2020 final. PSG Bayern, they're playing too. Oh, my God. I think, I, I want to say, that's, I think that's a... That's you know, almost as, I think this both is, games are as this, good as Liverpool. This is, this is going to be a some game. As Liverpool Madrid, though. Yeah, no, I, I do I do think that is a, a better quality matchup because I think PSG haven't been mm-hmm. as great in the Champions League as they, as they would have liked to. And I, I think I think they'll they'll, they'll acknowledge, uh, acknowledge that with the wage bill that they currently have, which is just astronomical. PSG <sighs> have to have to go deep this year. They they have they they can't be spending two hundred million uh, euros a year on three players in attack Mbappe Messi Neymar, uh, who between them make almost two hundred million uh, gross salary per year, uh, which is just an absurd amount. I think this has got to be the year that it comes together to make a deep run or. You know, for this this level of investment to not not pay off would be a, a disaster for BSG. The one positive I'm, I will say though is that I saw a stat a few days ago that's, and I think I, it's, I think I looked it up to make sure it's true. But PSG since they went out to Real Madrid, haven't lost a game domestically. Yeah, I, I or, think you might be right there. Yeah, um, they haven't the lost in the league all season. They've. They've they've dropped points in the league just twice. So that's scary when you think about it. It's this is a scary team. The one thing that I say that PSG has now they have leaders. Mbappe, we know how he could be. His attitude, Neymar's attitude, Messi, we know he doesn't have an attitude. Problem. Messi's a leader. Ramos is a leader. If you hate him or not, you have to. Yeah, no matter Ramos. what you feel about Sergio Ramos, you have to acknowledge that he is a leader. <coughs> I see, I see a lot of leaders in this team, which I haven't seen really from PSG teams before. Yeah, and the, and and not to mention that the fact that Ramos and Messi have been rivals for so long, and and the fact that they they came into the, the same club at the same time, and were able to just become you know like because here's the thing, Ramos is a, Ramos is a polarizing player because of his nature on the field, but this doesn't because. That's that's the way he plays. He is a wind up player. He will wind you up, and that's that. He wants to do that. He will do whatever he can to get in your head. But off the field, I'm sure. Like, but off the field, clearly he's a solid guy. Like he's. I a, think he's a good person off the field. It's just in my opinion. I think he just has a lot of old school tendencies. He's adopted. He's adopted that wind up mentality, and it has its benefits. I can't blame for it though, because it's, it's the same it's way. Useful. Pepe, the likes of Pepe, even. You know the likes of Andy Robertson, Jamie Vardy. They're all not. They're not bad people. They just they want to get in your heads because it gives them a competitive advantage, and and the fact that they're able to leave that emotion on the pitch, it, that's the biggest part. I that's think. what I love from Ramos. The one thing I love from there's still a lot of things I love from Ramos, but one thing is a competitive nature, the way he winds you up, and the way he's able to go toe to toe, and even when he has to with rivals, he's able to just merge with them and do it for the team like Messi and PSG if you ask me before both of them moved to PSG if I ever saw Messi and Ronaldo playing together on the team or getting along I would have told you no I would have thought you were crazy I look at this now and I'm and I just say 
it looks like they're best friends. Some of the pictures you yeah, see, some of the I mean, videos yeah. you see. They spend a lot of time. Like, because, you know, me, now, because Sergio Ramos is the type of, he is a born leader. He is going to make it his goal to protect. He's going to, not only is he going to get in the opponent's head, because that's what he does, he will also protect his teammates. Yeah. And, and because Messi is now his teammate, it is now his, the role that he's taken on as, as the type of player he is, is to protect his team. And now that Messi's his teammate, he's going to do everything he can to protect Messi. Because he, know, he knows how good Messi is. He's, he's had to deal with that so much. He knows how good this player is. First and experience. Of course. And one more thing I just want to add. I saw, the, I saw one time on Instagram, Messi and, Ronaldo, Messi and Ramos' families went out to dinner. Yeah. I would have never thought that. I would have thought, thought Messi and Ramos would never brought each other around their family. But just seeing this at PSG made me just so... The compared nature in them and how they're able just to come together. Yeah, I it think it's, it's it's being able to leave that rivalry behind, uh, and that's what that's what allowed them to be successful. At PSG it was rivalry and hatred when they were playing against each other, but now when they play with each other, they they get along with each other and just and it's just the beautifulness of soccer sometimes that this stories like these can happen. Yeah, I mean, in, in, on the fan the fan aspect, it's not like that always. Real Madrid and Barcelona fans can't always get along, but the players. They they've shown that they're. It's it's only the club, not the person. Even internationally, the players are able to get along with each other. Absolutely, even they play for rival clubs. Yeah, I mean, you see, um, for a while, Lucas Ocampos was at Marseille. Um, you know, they've got DePaul in the Argentina squad. who was at uh, Atletico Madrid. I look at Spain though. Spain is a perfect example of a national team that has players from. Oh, absolutely, clubs. yeah. Spain. Bars- you know, you get the Barcelona players, you get the Real Madrid players, and, and a lot Madrid of the players. squad is. Atletico Madrid players too, a little bit. And Atleti players are in there. Valencia players are in there. Villarreal players are in there. You've got players from all around, and and you just mash them in together, and and they get along. And the England squad does it as well. Another big draw though, Tottenham Milan. Who, who do you think? Who do you think goes through here? Milan. I would have to agree with you. I I think, I think Tottenham have have pieced it together together a little bit. They weren't, they couldn't take their chances against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I think with Son and the team that that game may be a little different. I think if the players come back, it could they have injury could be different. But what I'm seeing is that Antonio Conte needs to play more higher up, more high pressure because the way he plays second half of Liverpool, if he played that, Spurs would be a great team. Spurs would be challenging. Everything. No, yeah, no. because he, you can't just be playing attacking when you're two 0 down, because that doesn't get you anywhere. You can't be only trying to score goals when you need it to get any points. You need it to be getting three points. And yeah. I, I think that's that's my criticism of defensive-minded managers. Um, you know, I I mean, I coaching myself, I'm a very attacking-minded coach. Um, and anyone that's that's seen my team's play, uh, and I know I know my dad is listening to this right now, and he knows. I know my sister is listening to this right now, and I know she knows because she's played for me. I like I like to attack. I like to see teams attack, and that's my criticism of defensive-minded teams that they only attack when they need to score to just get a point. Because once you go two 0 down, you have to attack. But I think if you're if you're going to attack and 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 be that effective. Once you're 2-0 down, what happens if you start the game like that? There's a thing, though. Spurs has never been a defensive club. 
Conte is Conte is the right manager for Spurs. He isn't a Spurs manager. Spurs need attacking style managers. I think Conte flourishes with the players he has. Spurs don't have real defense players to play his type of style in his game. He needs players that are really effective attackingly, that they take a few chances that are clinical up front, and he needs defensive players that have a little bit of flair but also are hard-minded and lay a tackle in and center backs and right backs and left backs that are really good defensively. Spurs aren't that. When I look at Atletico Madrid in their prime, Jose Mourinho in his prime, that's what he had. And that's why they were so effective. Yeah, and even... even and good defenders. Yeah, I mean, even when, when Jose was... Even when Jose was was Tottenham manager, he wasn't playing defensively. He was playing counterattack, and that that's its own that's its own separate thing. Yes, it's it's sitting back, but it's it's attacking it's attacking football still because you're sitting back and waiting for that opportunity, and you're gonna get that opportunity when you have Kane and Son. And you saw how uh, how effective Kane and Son were together that season. Even w- when Jose was was Tottenham manager, so it's so it's, so I think it's a matter of. Still getting forward is still very important. I think that's the matter that I think Tottenham under Conte haven't been able to do enough. I have a quick question for you. Right now, Phil's played. Who wins? Dortmund, Chelsea. Off the top of your head. I'm going to say Dortmund. I say Dortmund, but the World Cup could change it. But I I like the appointment of Graham Potter, but... He really hasn't had a chance because he doesn't have really his own players to be brought I, in. I like the appointment of Potter, but I don't think that situation have had, should have had to come in the first place. I don't think they should have parted with Tuchel. I think yeah. Tuchel was a better manager for this Chelsea team right now mm-hmm. than than Potter, even though I like Potter's style more. I think it's just not – this yeah. Chelsea team is suited to defensive football. I think Tuchel was the right manager too. The other thing – is Potter's using Tuchel's players. The only player that I could see that Potter might want it really brought in is is a guy that, that Tuchel brought in from Brighton, Cucurella. Oh, yeah, Cucurella has been... Because that, cause Cucurella is a Potter system player. He he fits Potter's system because he's an attacking fullback. And and Reese James is also similarly a a Potter-style manager. A Potter style player, but the problem is he's been injured, and so is Showell, and they're both gonna miss the World Cup. Let's talk about the Europa League now. Barcelona. Yeah, there's that one tie. There's that one really juicy tie that ten years ago, if you told me this was a Europa League tie, I wouldn't believe you. Now, I mean, three years ago, I think that's a different story, but now. I would never, but 10 years ago, I would never believe you. Barcelona, 10 years ago, I don't think anyone would believe you. Just Barcelona United Europa League doesn't sound right to me. It, it doesn't feel right. Be, I mean, these are these are two teams that are multiple Champions League winners. I mean, you look at the you look at the teams in the Champions League, in, in the Europa League knockout stage, you have one, two, three, four, five Champions League winners. Mm-hmm. And between them, you have... Two Dutch clubs, and, and and Dutch football is not at the, Dutch club football is not at the standard that it was when those teams were winning the Champions League. They've got five 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 trophies between them, four for Ajax, one for PSV. You've got Juventus who have two, and and Juventus Juventus were 
terrible in the group stage. Juventus could have been crashed out of Europe like Atleti altogether. They could have they could have been gone altogether. Atleti are gone altogether. Man United, Man United didn't qualify for the Champions League. Ajax, I think that was kind of expected for them to drop down into the Europa. Ajax, Ajax will go through if they get one strong team. Ajax will not go through when there's two strong teams like they had this year, because everyone expected Ajax to go through the last season. They did not. They were not expected to go through this year. They weren't. In my opinion, Ajax had too much for them to go through this year. They needed a little bit to retool and rebuild, and they'll come back stronger next year. In my opinion. I, I do think you're right. I do think they come back stronger. Because they're they're a streaky team. They have to get the right group stage draw if they want to get through. But if they do get through, the, the sky's the limit. Because you saw when they had that golden they had that golden team, a sort of golden generation for them that saw so many players picked off by, by, by top clubs in in eighteen nineteen when they went to the semifinal and came so close to that final. Lucas Moore hat trick out of nowhere. Out of absolutely nothing. Yeah, and 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 that that was that was a heartbreaker. Effort. I mean, for Dutch fans as a whole to see, because to see a Dutch team go back to a Champions League final, that's that's not just an I. That's not just a thing that benefits Ajax fans. That that benefits the, that benefits Dutch football as a whole. If you would have told me one thing that I still can't wrap my head around, if you would have told me a year or two ago, Lewandowski, Ronaldo would have been a Champions League Europa League match. Lewandowski and Ronaldo will play each other in the, in the Europa League. Just wow, that doesn't. When, that's almost as bad as Messi and Ronaldo playing Europa League. Like. Ronaldo had never played a Europa League game in the, in his career. Full stop. And you look at Ajax. Ajax was expected, I think. Um, mm. Barcelona. I think when you look at that group, I think you expect them to go to drop down. Well, you you could maybe argue, but with the thing with the money they spent and the changes they made, they shouldn't have. They can't. No, with with what they spent, they shouldn't have. But I think you, you, it it was kind of expected, wasn't it? I would I would say, I expected. I think most of the world expected they would go through. I think. Everyone expected Barnum win, but I didn't think anyone expected Inter Milan to be as good as they were without Lukaku, and also for Barcelona to be that poor. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, Sevilla are also now in the Europa League, and you have to say, mm-hmm. that's a problem for everyone else, because Sevilla are Europa League merchants, and they're probably going to win the Europa League now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, well, I don't know if there was anything of note in the, in the conference league. Um, we'll take a look. I mean, Lazio are are around in the conference league. Sheriff, I want to see Sheriff win, man. I want to see somebody from a a small soccer nation win win the win the conference league because I think that's the purpose of the conference league. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the teams in the conference league. Riga in Latvia, Silkeborg, who were a a mid-table Danish team, Stawa Bucharest, um, Lech Poznan, Hapel Bosheva, um, Partizan Belgrade, the second the the second best team in Serbia, uh, Slovatsko uh, in the Czech Republic. That's another mid-table team. Dnipro one in Ukraine. Um, Vaduz were in the Vaduz were in the Champions the, the Conference League from Liechtenstein. 
uh, and of course Deer Garden. Deer Gordon uh, from Sweden, they went through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Balkani from Kosovo mm-hmm. were in there. Sivaspor, another um, another mid-table team. St- CFR Kloy in Romania. Uh, Slovan uh, Bratislava. Uh, Punic Yerevan from Ar- Armenia. Jalgiris Konas from Lithuania. You got a lot of teams from from lesser from weaker weaker leagues. And I think that's the beauty of the conference league, and I think that's why that's going to prove the conference league is going to prove to be a very good addition, a, v- a very very helpful addition to to the European club club front because mm-hmm. it, it gives it gives smaller clubs opportunities. Of course, you know clubs that would. Clubs that would never qualify for the Europa League before the Conference League was a thing. Clubs like Riga, clubs like Silkeborg, clubs like Hapoel Bersheva. Mm-hmm. Of course, Maccabi Haifa is in the Champions League. Um, clubs like Slovatsko in, in the Czech... Clubs like, like Partizan Belgrade. Because there's, there's only one Champions League spot for, for Serbia. Mm-hmm. And that almost always goes to Red Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dnipro won. Apollon Limassol. You know, or getting getting chances to be in a Euro- European group stage. Yeah. So I I think that's why that's why the Europa League, the Europa Conference League was such a good yeah. addition. You know, people because people were skeptical of it at first, uh, but it, it's definitely proven that it was a good it was a good thing. Of course. Next, let's talk about some of the squads that have been announced. Let's start off with Brazil. Yeah, Allison, this, goalkeeper. Edison. Yeah, that I think that was expected. Weber, let's just read off the list. I have it up. Weverton. Yeah, so we'll we'll go by number. I think here because mm-hmm. I think that makes more sense. So because th- they're they're one of the two squads that have had their number list announced. So mm-hmm. Allison's going to wear the number one. So that we imagine he will be the first choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Danilo, Tiago Silva, Marquinhos, Casemiro, Alexandra, Lucas Paqueta. Fred, Richarlison, Neymar, Rafinha, Weverton, Danny Alves, Eder Militao, Fabinho, Alex Tellez, Bruno Kimaraish, Anthony, Gabriel Jesus, Vinicius, Rodrigo, Bremer, Ederson, Martinelli, Pedro, and Everton Ribeiro. There's one big name left out the squad. Two, actually, that you could argue. Firmino and Gabriel, Liverpool and Arsenal, respectively. Yeah, I, think I mean, the reality is there's no justification for Firmino not being in the squad. When I look at it... Because you look at this Liverpool... You look at this Brazil squad, and you look at what Firmino has done for Liverpool this season, he's been one of their better forward players. Alright, but if you had to take someone out, who do you take out to put Firmino in? To get Firmino in, I take... I I probably take out Martinelli. No, you can't. There's someone bigger. Two... Too bigger now. I think I think I think that's that's the weakest forward. I think that's the forward least likely to get minutes. After that, I think Richarlison is the next to go. No, Pedro, Pedro Richarlison first. I'm sorry, but Richarlison, I feel like has never been really clinical, like a clinical attacker in the box. Like I feel like he messes, he messes up too much chances. No, Pedro Guilherme though, I think. Brazil want that that Brazilian league representation, so I think he's always going to be in the squad, especially because he's been been really good at Flamengo, and he he did help them to mm. to the 
Copa Libertadores, I think. I, I really think I think Martinelli is the most expendable, because they brought a lot of wingers, but they only brought two strikers. The other thing though is that I feel like Martinelli is more clinical than Richarlison in all positions that he could play. That's the reason I'll say maybe Richarlison before. Even Rafinha, there's a shelf for him. I mean, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. What? I I don't agree with Rafinha being I th- I out of the squad be for Martinelli. In it, but I know I saw people arguing that his firm on Barcelona right now, Rafinha should be out. I I don't I don't I don't yeah I I do think Rafinha deservedly has his place in the squad. I don't mm-hmm. think they should have given him the eleven shirt. Um, you know because here's the thing with national teams especially squad numbers have to be earned. Mm-hmm. And. And tell me why Vinicius Jr. still has the number 20. Because if we're being honest, this man should have seven. Because, I mean, he has proven he's a world-class player. He should have the number seven. Who is seven again? It is Lucas Paqueta, who has not proven he deserves the number seven. He is, don't get me wrong, he's a very good player, but I don't think he is as deserving of a number that carries the, the weight of the number seven do, that the number seven does. I don't think he is, he is a player that... That is capable of carrying that weight. I think Vinicius Jr. is. Let me ask you two questions. Does Gabriel deserve to be in the squad over Bremer? I, I would I would take Gabriel over Bremer. I would... Easily. Truthfully, I would also take him... I would also have taken a... Him over Danilo. I would have taken him over... No, I would have taken him first over Alexandro. The problem is Brazil's weakest position is left back. What about Danny Alves in the squad? I I think he's going to be valuable for leadership. But at the end of the day, I think, honestly, Brazil's best right back is Fabinho. They can't put Fabinho there. They, they can. Because Fabinho was originally a right back. Yeah, but I think I think he's honestly I think Fabinho is there, but the thing is Fred plays really well with Casemiro. I think I think they might actually be better off moving Fabinho to right back. I don't know. I like Fred coming off the bench for Brazil. But I I think if Brazil want to win this World Cup and they entirely can, I think they have to be they have to be innovative with the squad that they have. Because because here's the thing they have. A lot of forwards in the squad. We we both know. I think it, it. We have to acknowledge that there are four forwards that I think deserve to start in this Brazil team. And I think I think to 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 uh, to um, allow that to happen, really, uh, yeah. Should Fred be coming off the bench? Probably, but they also have Bruno Guimarães. Who also sh- I think who I think should be partnering Casemiro and I think Fabinho should be at right back. I forgot Bruno Gamerson squad. Brazil, I think definitely in a week back is left. Their weak point is left right, back. And left back. And, and I think even right back. I think the solution to that might be to move Danilo over to left back because he's done it before. He's he's played left back before. Um. So I I think they might actually be better off going with a back four of Danilo. Any any combination of Silva, Marquinhos, Militao, I I think they're best off with Marquinhos and Militao. I can see that because I think you you just you want that speed back there. 
especially because Casemiro ahead of them is not known for his pace. Mm-hmm. And then you want then you want Fabinho. Next, let's talk about the France squad. No, oh, look at there's there's a there's a big you can tell right now, right, that there's one area of the pitch that they are considerably weaker in. Mm. And and that's obviously that's midfield. I look at some of the names. I don't even think they would get in, maybe, to be honest. Guendouzi. I did not expect Guendouzi to be in the squad. I, it was a surprise. I did me. not expect Vera 2 to be in the squad. I did not expect. I expected Rabio to be in the squad, Rabiot, but I don't think he should be in the squad. I, I could see maybe him being in the squad because he's one of Deshaun's favorite, but I don't think he should start. I yeah, I know I know he is one of Deshaun's favorite. Um, a favorite of, of Didier Deshaun. Mm-hmm. But here's here's the thing. This is a team that needs to play two a two man midfield if they want to win this World Cup. Because if they if they want to fight and they want to try and retain their title. Because and and look at the number of defenders that they've brought. They did not really bring any left or right back. They brought one backs. right back. But look at the number of center backs that are in the squad. You've got Pavar can play at center back. You've got Varane at center back. Lucas Hernandez has but played Pavard mostly at play, center back. Pavar can play right back. Pavar will probably be the right back, but he is also he is a defensive right back. He is a he can play center back. Mm-hmm. Lucas Hernandez, Hernandez Le, Lucas Hernandez is a left back, but he can also he is a been left back center back. Mm-hmm. Kimpembe, center back. Kunde, he can go to right back, but he's a center back. Teo Hernandez is a is a true left back. Mm-hmm. Zaliba, he is a center back. Upamakano, center back. And Kanade, also a center back. To be honest, this might be, this might get a little, lot of some people mad, but I didn't think Upamakano was going to make it because his form at Barn hasn't been as good as the other center backs in the squad, in my opinion. No, I mean, I I really think they might be best out. If they do go with the back three, and I do expect them to go with the back three, Varane, Kimpembe, Kanade. Well, it's coming out of France camp that they're going to a back four. It is coming out that they're, they're going to a back four. It's going to be Teo... Teo, I expect, will be left back, uh, and Pavar will be right back, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. I think they're best off probably Varane, Kanade. If Varane is fit enough. If if Varane is fit and if he's not, Kimpembe. Because I, I think, think I think if it did your Deschamps. I don't think Deschamps goes with Kanade. I think, I think you have to put your trust in, Kim, in Kanade. I think he's going to go with Kimpembe more because he, cause he has more experience with Varane. I think Deschamps is one of those managers... He, it's on trust and how he feels about you and what he's, you, you've done for him in the past. Yes. That's I, th- the only way I think, yeah, I think he's too loyal to his older players. Because that's the only way I think Griezmann is in the squad. Because I don't, on form, I I think he should still be in the squad. I don't think there's many defenders. I don't think he should be a, 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 be a key player. Because right now, right now, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say no to Olivier Giroud right now. He is on form right now. Similarly, though, it is also pretty much impossible to not start Benzema and Mbappe. You have to start Benzema and Mbappe, I think. So what what happens if it's four four two? You want to move? You does Deschamps dare to put Mbappe out wide? No, I saw him playing two strikers, Benzema and Mbappe. That's what's coming out to French camp. So that's so I feel like that's what Deschamps would start off with at Australia in the first game, and I saw Griezmann behind. But in my opinion. I think 
they should play. I would put Mbappe a wide, Benzema through the middle, and Dembele, or even Kingsley Coleman coming in. I, w- I want to see Nkunku play. Or Nkunku too. I want to see Nkunku out on one side. I want to see Mbappe on the other side. And then I want to see, I want I want Benzema up front. And either Griezmann or Dembele at the ten, because I think I think maybe you want to try something new and try Dembele at the ten. I don't think I, I don't know. I just some, because Dembele's his passing has gotten a lot better. Or even even if you're if you're feeling really really outlandish, mm-hmm. Benzema at the ten. No, <laughs> no. I think you have to put Kingsley Coleman. In. I think there's a real good shot for you, him I mean, to be in. Could you put him at the ten though? Because yes. you gotta fit somebody at the ten. Yes, I I just don't. I think Griezmann is the of Kuman Dembele because because um, this Kuku. midfield is is six defensive minded midfielders. They have Vera Vera too is really the only one that can play at the ten. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think he's, I don't trust Vera too at the ten for France. No, I think he's a, he, I think Vera too is a solid player, but I don't think he's good enough to be be the starting attacking with. Be a starting attacking midfielder for France. I think Griezmann. I think Camavinga and Chouameni. Yeah, I I think probably Griezmann will be the ten. Uh, I mean, I think I think you. I expect Rabiot to play more than he should, but I think France. It really needs to be Chouameni and and Camavinga. And of course, there was that report that Camavinga didn't even make the squad. Of course, the ESPN. So it got it got it later when France's squad came out. He was in it. Um, yeah, but I th- I think I think the the critical flaw in this squad is that there's too many defenders. Yeah. And he didn't even name name a whole twenty six man squad. I think he named twenty five players, if I remember correctly. Yeah, twenty five players. Yeah, it is twenty five. And he took this much defensive midfielders. Twenty five and this much center backs. Yeah, and, if, and similarly in that group, uh, Australia's squad is out, and it's it's just about what we expected. Mm-hmm. Also, a squad that just came out, Belgium. Belgium squad is out. Yes, Lukaku's in it, even though he's that. I think out. I think we expected that. Uh, I think they would still take take a gamble, especially because the squad size has been expanded. I think they were going to take a gamble on him being fit. Artur Teot is in the squad, and that he's a, you know he's a hero for me in Football Manager. Mm-hmm. So I respect that a lot. Arthur Teot is a good player, and I'm going to fight for that. You know who else is in the squad? A player born in 2003. 2003. Wow, one year above me. Yeah, Zeno Zeno Debast is uh, at Anderlecht. He is in the World Cup squad. He is he he wears the fifty six for club. That's a youth team <gasps> number. He was he is still wearing his youth team assigned number, and he's in the World Cup squad. Similarly, so to his Trent, but that's a different story. Uh, Vout Feisch is also in the squad. That I think was expected. He's been pretty good at Leicester. Um, Axel Witzel is in the squad. Um, De Bruyne. Axel Witzel is actually the highest, um, the most capped uh, forward midfielder or forward, uh, and and actually the second high, the second most capped player in the squad behind Jan Vertonghen. Um Jeremy Doku's in it. I really. I I, I, I think, think that's a good starts. call. I think that's a good call. I don't know if he starts, but I, I, I think that's a good decision. I don't trust Hazard to start. I feel like he's probably will start Hazard. 
I would not start Hazard. I would start his brother over him. I I would absolutely start Torkin Hazard over over Aiden. Jeremy Doku, I would start over him. I think probably. I think probably the way they're gonna go, and I think probably the way they should go is Lukaku, Mertens, Hazard. Lukaku's now. I don't think Lukaku. If Lukaku's not fit, I think that's why he probably starts. I think they. Could and if if they really. I think they bring it. Maybe I think if they line. wanted to do that, or or to Ketelara. they also have to Ketelara. I just feel like Martinez, the club coach he is, he's going to put De Bruyne as a false nine. I feel like I think they'd be better off leaving him in midfield. I think they'd be better off leaving De Bruyne in midfield and using De Ketelara as the as the false nine. Uh, and and then you go with a midfield of, of De Bruyne, uh, Tielemans, and and probably Witzel. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I, I you know it could be interesting to see. Uh, Amadou Anana or or uh, Vanaken in there. Yannick Carrasco's in or if they too. or if they go with a four man midfield, go for a four four two, something like a four four two, or even a three four three, and we could see that with um, uh, Vertanian, Adervereld, Alderweireld, and and Teot, mm. uh with Castagna moving out uh, and playing the right wing back, Carrasco playing the left wing back, and then De Bruyne and Tielemans. But yeah, I, I do want to see Deketelara De do well because he's a, he's a talented player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I do imagine once Lukaku is fit to play, I think he will Lukaku play. Will, Lukaku will play when he's fit. That is no doubt about it. He has to play for them. Uh, they also have Luis Openda. He's he's a center forward. He was born in 2000. Uh, plays at Lyon. So I think one of Lyon, mm-hmm. few, the few players selected to the World Cup from, from that club. That's but this is a, that's a solid team. Uh, took a look, the Germany squad is out too. Oh my gosh, Mario Götze is in. Mario Götze is back. That is what you love to see if you're Germany right now. That is amazing. I'm. I was so happy to that see him amazing, in the squad. Similarly, he should be in the squad. Let me ask you that. Yeah. I mean, he's done really was, well at Frankfurt. It was half and half. I was. But uh, you want to feel old. Yusufa Mokoko is in the World Cup squad. He was born in November of 2004. He is still 17. I'm older than him. He is still 17. He wow. will, be, Before he plays, he will be 18. But this man, this this literal <gasps> child is playing is going to play at the World Cup. I don't, I don't call him a child. I can't call him I mean, a child he is he's literally around the same age as us. I mean... He's still legally he is a child. Legally this legally this dude is a child. It's crazy. He's already in the World Cup squad. Thomas Muller expected. Gnabry Sane expected. Adiyemi's in the World Cup squad as well. Nico Solabax too is in the squad and Sule. Zula yeah, Zula Schloderbeck are in the squad. Bella Kotchap is in the squad. They they put their faith in youth. Julian Brandt, too. Leon Goresker. Gundogan had to be in the squad. Gundogan, yeah, Gundogan had to be in the Gundogan squad. If Gundogan wasn't in the squad, it would have been a big shout. I think a lot of people in Germany would be upset. Yeah, Musiala's in the squad as well. Musiala I think that was expected. Squad. Yeah, I mean, he's Musiala. already 17 caps at, at 19. I think Musiala could really start for he, he absolutely could. I think maybe I Muller think he probably does start. Um, yeah, I mean, I think maybe he's at the 10. I, maybe Muller's at the 10. Maybe Muller's the center forward, though. I, I, I think that could be... Thing. I think Muller... Because ha- Havertz is also in the squad. He could be the center forward. Brandt... 
I don't want could go at wide. Sonny could be the center forward. Um, I want Sonny at wide. You know, I I think I think the reality is Muller will probably be the center forward. Um, and then and then I think I think probably Kimish, <coughs> Kimish Goretz, Kimish then Goretzka or Gundogan, and and Muziala. Gundogan and Kimish start. I think. I think I think I would rather have Goretzka, but I could see Gundogan. No, I want Gundogan and Gundogan is just more silky, and I think he fits the Germany squad more better going on attack and counter attacks. Yeah, I and think, then I, I think I think in in defense, probably Rudiger, probably Rudiger Z- I want to I want to say probably Zula, and then Schlotterbeck has to start. Yeah, Schlotterbeck. I mean, but Schlotterbeck might go to might have to go to left back because otherwise it's Christian Günther that starts, mm-hmm. uh, or or David Rome. Who you think plays right back though? Uh, probably Klosterman. Um, or it could even be Zula, actually. That is uh, Rudi- Rudiger. Rudiger will start. Rudiger will start and anchor this defense. I think Zula and Schlotterbeck are are in consideration. I think one of them might go to right back mm-hmm. or Klosterman. Uh, and, and you know we might even see them them try and go Klosterman over to left back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bella Kachap will, will be be in contention as well. But yeah, this is a t- this is a team that looks a lot better than it did <laughs> a couple years ago. Of course. Of course, Costa Rica squad is out as well. Kaylor Navas will be at the helm there. Brian yeah, Ruiz is in there as well. well. We're not going to see a whole lot from them. I think they're not going to put up too big of a fight. That's I think that's the reality we are we are in. The England squad is out. The England, but that's that's the big one, isn't it? The England squad. The big one is Harry Maguire's. In Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire. Favoritism by Southgate. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he should be in the squad. But James Madison made it. Madison Madison just squeezed in, apparently. A big omission though was Ivan Tony. I I I think they I think they were right to go with Wilson. I think because I think I think Tony is too is a lot more similar to Kane than than Wilson is. I think Wilson gives them a different option. Well, Kyle Tomori is left out over Harry Maguire. That, that one I think is that one I think is the biggest mix. I don't, I don't I don't think I don't think Maguire is even the weakest center back in this squad though. I think that's Connor Cody. Mm-hmm. I think Tomori should make it. Tomori should definitely be in. I absolutely I absolutely agree with that. Sancho I think Tomori should be in the squad. Jaden Sanchez. I think that's I think a little was, expected. I think, I think I should. I think they probably should have taken him over Rashford. But it's one of those two United wingers, and one of them misses out. I was out. gonna say Rashford should go on form, if, in my opinion. I'll take Rashford. Yeah, I mean Saka, Saka deserves his place. Foden deserves his place. Grealish hasn't been great, but probably still deserves his place. Of course, Grealish? he only has one goal for England. Grealish, I will say, I will say, if he doesn't show up in an, in like the next season, I think he's out the, of the next tournament or in, even the next Nations League. Yeah. Uh, Sterling was expected to come, but I don't even know if he starts at this point. I don't think. Um, I think in mi- in midfield though, who do you think? Who do you think? I think. Bellingham I'm, I'm, has to start. Yeah, obviously that's that one goes without saying. I think I think they're probably gonna go with Bellingham, Rice, Mount. Yeah. Hen- Henderson will play in every game, Henderson but he will not start every game. What about Calvin Phillips in the squad? Even though he's barely played for City, that's a mistake. In my opinion. His whole move to City was a mistake. I think he's regretting it now. 
Oh yeah, no, I, I, think, I, I agree. With that. I don't think no one could argue if he gets left out. I don't think I, I don't think going to Man City was the best move for him. I think maybe a step up to a bigger club was a good move, but Man City was Man not City the right move not, because the reality is you're never you're not gonna break through Rodri because you're moving to a club with probably the best defensive midfielder in the world. You're not gonna be the starter. You're not, never gonna be the starter. I'm not like, expecting to start, and it's looking now because he's barely even played. To be honest, he, he's, well, he's played 13 minutes of Premier League football this season. And I think that could be a killer for his career. I, I think that could be that could be something that stalls his career out. Yeah, it, it could it could stall him a little bit. That's that's gonna wrap up episode eight of Soccer Spotlight, though. Thank you for tuning in, everyone that made it this far. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will see you again in another week. Again, Soccer Spotlight on WQSU FM and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.